They're bad. They're boys. And occasionally, they talk about running. Yes, it's the Bad Boy Running Podcast with your hosts, Jody Rainsford and David Heller. Come back. Baby, come back. Bye, 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 bye. Admit I was a clone to be messing around, but that doesn't mean that you have to leave town. But a bye 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 bye, but a bye bye. I kind of miss um Josh's version, so we haven't got Josh anymore. No, oh, no, just just he was just there for one. We can't we can't ruin it. We might bring it back. I can't get one. over his voice, <laughs> the singing. He's, he's such a good singer. Is uh, I think he should actually record a greatest hits of pato all himself that would be a good idea the josh pato banton stevens album of no what would it would have to have one of those now you know like like rod stewart when he does a covers like he always does a covers album it would be something like you have to be called something like totally banton or 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 a very merry pato or something like that just (laughs) whatever those awful cover albums are called banto by candlelight, or I don't know. It, it, just, yeah. it was a really sort of naff, you know. Used to cost, um, used to be in in, uh, in Woolworths in the in the in the bargain bin uh, type cover album. Because I was listening to it and I was thinking, is this Pato or is this a Chris Eubank impression? Because <laughs> it was, it was quite close to both. God, that was so offensive, Josh, doing a Chris Eubank impression. Yeah. <laughs> You're saying Pate Banton is, has got brain damage like Chris does from all his meetings. <laughs> That's awful. So, my name is Jamie Well, welcome Rainsford. to the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been realising we never introduced what... This is a podcast called Bad Boy Running. Is that how you introduce it? Well, welcome, welcome to the Bad Boy Running podcast. It's a podcast kind of about actually today's about quite a lot of running there's loads this is the bit that's not about running there's going to be loads of running after this bit yeah and and actually you're going to be pretty blown away i we get some i'm quite pleased with the level of um because we always record these intro bits after so that we know um if we need to prep the listener for anything particular yeah like this person's going to be sweary and racist you know if we This this one's not. I'm just that has never happened either. But you never know. You never well, know. Well, it has. It has. But we just had to edit the whole thing out. Yes. So they, uh, they're not yeah. not coming back. That's the last time. Last time we get your girlfriend on the show. That was a, <laughs> that was a disaster. It was, but you know, it's good. She got it all out in the podcast. So when she out. comes and meets it, the parents, it was, she's it was exhausted. It was. The, I mean, it was the. It was the wrong forum for it. Really, she thought we were in a Weatherspoons or something. I, I don't. Well, we were in a Weatherspoons at the that's time. That's true. That's true. It's probably why she took her, her eye off the ball. But um, but yeah, this this um, we we asked in the group who you wanted us to try and get on the show, and I think actually even before we'd said that, Anne had asked if we could get uh, Lurie on and when we then looked at her profile I'd, I'd heard of her I'd seen her I hadn't realized she'd done these shows for is it S4C S4C yeah and the they're amazing BBC channel isn't it yeah and it, it's the channel that I don't even know I didn't even really know that we could see it but apparently we can actually on iPlayer they're all there the same with um, Patrick Keelty is on every single Northern Irish show so he he basically is twenty four hour television. I used to, I used to hate Patrick Kilty, and then I saw him on the um, the roast of Sharon Osbourne, and it was yeah. probably the funniest routine I'd ever seen someone do. 
What did he do? Oh, he was he was hilarious. Like Patrick Kilty's not funny. And then He's I saw him funny. on Yeah, and then I said, go watch the roast of Sharon Osbourne. It's absolutely okay. brilliant. Do you think it was him or like he came up with I didn't he I think he dated one of one of her daughters or something and so he was a, he was able to roast in a way that only you can roast if you've like dated like the children of someone you're roasting. It, so he it, actually roasted one of her daughters in front of them. <laughs> oh <my God>. This <laughs> that is would taking, be... right, we might have we might have new listeners as a result of this. So let's true. let's just forget about this this direction we're, we're going. We're trying to pretend in. we're not everything we are. <laughs> Just for one episode. Yeah, let's trick them into into listening to more episodes. Yeah, they're going to be horrified next week. <laughs> what are those lovely, those lovely polite fellas? From just last listen, the posh, the Southern posh boys who who have a podcast. So basically, just if you don't want it to descend anything, just listen to all the ones where we're interviewing someone. That's generally, <laughs> that's true. That's generally okay when we are like moderately behaved. Cut out the first behaved. fifteen minutes. <laughs> yeah, fifteen minutes in, listen to the interview and stop it. There's something very interesting that happened um, the other day listener which says everything that you need to know about um about how people view our podcast so i think the last podcast was uh, what two hours long we get a call from um well i get an email from for goodness shakes asking if they could uh, you know promote our podcast i think oh that's nice isn't it that's good for our podcast <laughs> oh yeah but we only want we only want like the 30 minutes you're talking about running <laughs> oh harsh that was harsh wasn't it but in a way i think if you're if you're for goodness shakes, you're thinking, I don't know, if we share this, people will, will will see that what we're saying and what our product does is endorsed by people that talk sometimes about running. But if you then have to listen to the clip for ninety three minutes to then get to the point where we talk about running and some advice, I don't think on on Facebook that many people can get to that stage of the of the interview. You have to earn it. You have to earn this <laughs> you money. Have to earn it. No, you say that. There are people who said to me, okay, I didn't learn a lot about running, but I found out about arrested development in that last episode. And people oh. have discovered arrested development, which I think is probably more important than They've actually. never watched They've really? never, Yeah, absolutely. Oh well if, if, to be honest, that is gonna be I take more from that than anything else we've achieved with this podcast. <laughs> which is not saying much, to be fair. It's just <laughs> Why don't we just say we're sponsored by Netflix now? Yeah, we should be. I mean, I am in a way because I get it. Because um, you pay uh, for it. Well. What do you mean, well? <laughs> oh, no. What's, what are you going to say now? <laughs> I can't say any more than I've already said. <laughs> you haven't said anything. Just fill in the, fill in the Perfect, gaps. Then. Perfect. Can you, steal, can you steal Netflix? How are you stealing Netflix? I don't really understand. Well, I th- I can't say, but there is a way. Where Lib- there's a will, there's a way. My um, mate will. <laughs> Libby, <laughs> Libby has been watched. I, I, at the moment, I'm having a, per, a battle, a Twitter battle with Netflix. Yeah. Um, and when I say Twitter battle, as in I'm messaging them and they keep ignoring me. Because um, Libby's been watching Gossip Girl, and they've yeah. got the whole of Gossip Girl apart from the very last episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. It is brilliant. And but they won't respond to my pleas. It's like, where the hell is the last episode? In the last episode of the series, the, or the whole, whole the whole thing <laughs> <laughs> that ties it all up. Well, maybe it's like I, I was watching. I think what's it called? Eddie Izzard, the uh, child killer. Yeah, he was in. He was. You know, as in addition to killing children, he actually sometimes does comedy and acting as well. 
No so, way. So he was in a TV show where he had this really, it wasn't too bad, but pretty ropey tra- Irish traveller accent. And the, the TV show was him, Mini Driver, a couple of kids, and they, they chanced to cross a house. And for some reason, the people who were meant to move into the house didn't move into the house. So they pretended to be these people. So that was the series. And I watched the first series, half of the second series. And Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. When, when they had the writer's strike. Yes. They just didn't bother writing anymore. <laughs> Afterwards, they went, well, with the writer's back, but mm, is it worth it? So it just stops mid-series. So maybe that happened with Gossip Girl. It didn't. It got. It was. It was fan fiction, and it got. So it gets to the last episode, and what they've got instead of the last episode, they've got some like weird roundup documentary that looks behind the scenes. So it says like in the very last episode, but they're but they're pretending that is the last episode, and it's not because <laughs> I checked it on iTunes. So do you think they haven't? Do you think someone really cleverly was in a contract negotiation with them, and they sold them the rights to everything except the last one, which I was going to be... Yeah, it's some smart move, some smart move by them. I don't know, it's just, it's shocking, really. But, um, but enough of, of Netflix, we've, again, we've talked about that. Let's, let's go back to, so from Gossip Girl to... No, that's the terrible in- in- introduction, you're implying she's a big gossip. Oh, no, I was going to say that, I was going from Gossip Girl to Running Ultras. <laughs> I was, I, was, I was wondering where you're going with that. Maybe she's from Glossip? Glossip's in Derby. Yeah, she's not from there. I no. think. Okay, well, from <laughs> from Netflix to... Wales. <laughs> this is the word. I don't, this is, if see, we pause long enough, right, we'll eventually come out of it and edit, is, Eddie can edit it in as if we were like, bang! This is why So our, our guest is a TV presenter, which is why we're not TV presenters, because <laughs> we cannot come up with a seg here. From... In fact, we, we intentionally were bad at the seg to make to, to reinforce how good you've got to be to be a TV presenter. But what happens if you're not just a great TV presenter, but you're also an incredible ultra runner as well? That would be the sort of person who we should interview. And we have! Ta-da! Hiya! Hello! You're <laughs> right. So right. it's really informal, the podcast, and it's, it's a little bit <laughs> To silly. say the least. Yeah. <laughs> There's... It's all about running is always kind of uh, chilled out anyway, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And we, we, we often ask the listeners just to suggest people they'd love to hear from. Right. And you're top of the list. Oh, right. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Gosh, I'm slightly honoured to hear that. Well, yeah. Not, yeah. yeah. No, no pressure now. No pressure at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope I don't disappoint anyway. Oh, not at all. I mean, just from reading through, because I've, I, when they mentioned you, I'm like, I'm sure I've heard of Larry, and then just reading through the stuff you've done, it's amazing. Um, yeah, it's it's really weird because I I honestly and generally don't see it like that at all. Um, because I, I that's the way I've been able to cope with doing these big challenges. I've just kind of kind of not thought about them as as big challenges, and I've just kind of just gone ahead and just taken literally one mile at a time sometimes yeah um, so yeah it's 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 really weird when people say oh you know you've done these amazing things and yeah I think other people have done far more amazing things than, than I have so I'm, ju- I'm just a little old normal runner at your <laughs> basically who just kind of just can keep going sometimes just uh 
that's amazing. That's amazing, actually, because so so many people say we we speak to like quite a few people who have exactly the same opinion of themselves. Always think, you know, oh well, you know, what I've done is nothing compared with uh, compared with other people. It's yes. incredible. I yeah. know, I know. So um, yeah, and you know, somebody will always do a fact. It's it's the way of the world, isn't it? Just somebody will always. Yeah, I don't know. It's just what I've done. I've just done the purely for personal reasons and yeah. personal challenges they haven't been you know to break records anything like that just things that I've wanted to do um so and that's how I see them so yeah well should we do a formal introduction because are we recording yet JD or yeah 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 we're recording that... so yeah, hey you know. all right <laughs> well for the for the listeners that haven't twigged already we've got the guests well as as usual we asked who we should bring on and then I go about trying to stalk them down through Facebook <laughs> In my, uh, in my usual way. So we've got the lovely, the wonderful Larry Morgan on. If you, if you don't know her, um, she has, she, she's a presenter on Channel 4, but actually she's on the show mainly because she's such a badass. She's <laughs> done a 350-mile race across the Arctic. Um, you've done similar distance races through Wales. Haven't you been in a wheelchair and gone from that into training? And mm-hmm. yeah, just some unbelievable, unbelievable races. So, um where should we start? Well, well, firstly, welcome. Welcome, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to VDR. <laughs> a, a hugely honoured and, and, and really chuffed to be on the programme. So thanks ever so much for the uh, very kind invite. Well, how did, how did it all begin then? Your, your running career or your... How did you start running then? How did you go from just being your average runner into <laughs> doing these horrific challenges? Uh-huh. Um, do you know what? Um, I don't remember a time when I didn't run. Um, yeah. Uh, recently I did this challenge through Wales and it was um, for a TV series and I was producing it and um, I wanted to make, I've, I've already produced two um, series um, following uh, my uh, racing in the past, but this one I wanted to to create a different feel. I wanted it to be more like a, a runner's diary and, and I voiced over it as well and um, I did the voiceover and um, I wanted to say why I ran, why I ran and why so many other people ran. And yeah. so one of, the, one of the things I wanted to do was try and find some cine footage of me as, as a child, as a baby and a toddler um, and just, just to show clips of me running. And uh, do you know what? Every clip I saw, I was running. Um, <laughs> and um, I, I spoke to my parents about it and they were saying, yeah, you just never stopped. And I see it now in my son who's to um, next month and um, yeah I've, I've always run I went from crawling to running straight away apparently and I used to run in school just play in the playground as one would do but then I did race in yeah. an athletics meeting when I was about 11 years old and somebody thought I had a good running style and invited me to join the um, local Harriers Swansea Harriers so I did and and then just the, the love of it became well, just developed from there, basically. And my father was running as well. So I, ha- I have really fond memories of just running around the Gower with, with my father, you know, just training for these con- country uh, meetings and, and athletic races and whatever. So was your, were, were, your, were your parents runners like before, before you were a runner? Did, they, did you do it as a result of, of seeing them running or was your dad doing it because you, you'd got into running? Um, my father started running later on in life, but he has a runner's physique. And, and I think if he had run as a 
junior. Could, could I just ask, is, is that a Jody runner's physique or, <laughs> or, or, or am I runner's physique? Because, you know, there is, there is a little bit of leeway between an ultra runner and a kind of 5K runner. That's a good point. And I take it back, actually, because that's one thing I found in, in running is that you do not have a runner's physique, basically. And that's 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 um, I take you back, actually. And you completely. <laughs> but I, I think he's got the running genes then, let's say yeah. uh, like that, because he ran his first 10K with me uh, when he was 60 years old. Oh, and wow. he, he, he I ran with him, had a, really thoroughly enjoyed it with, you know, just running by the side of my father. And we came in at. 49 minutes and you know he turned around to me and said you know is that good and I said dad for your first 10k at 60 years old that's not <laughs> that's great I think if he had run as a, as a child or as a, as a, a youth I'm sure he would have been um, very good my mother on the other hand was a fantastic um, squash and tennis player played internationally and and then my brother I think inherited her sprinting genes because he was quite successful in rugby but I, I so I think that maybe my dad's got those long distance genes but I've, I've definitely I, I hope and I'd be totally honored and privileged if I have inherited my my parents' strength, you know, because they certainly have been fantastic and in, in, inspiring parents for me, and um, always spurred me on, you know, made me dig deeper and believe in myself. Especially during these races when I just want to give up, they just keep pushing me on, you know. Because when did uh, that start? When did you go from being a cross country runner to to taking on genuine challenges? Um, well, I was very lucky to represent my country as as a, a youth and then um i i joined a, a rugby team when i was uh, at university and um, I represented Wales playing rugby for, for my country um, and unfortunately I had a bad accident and uh, that's my knee and, and nearly everything else and um and then after rehab, then I lost my speed, but I was really eager to get back to running. They had told me that I wouldn't be able to run again. So when I did slowly, slowly find my feet again, I, I just started running slowly. Sometimes it was just like half a mile and then walking, and then it was a mile walking. And it was just a little bit further every day. And then three years after the operation, I, I ran my first marathon because obviously I'd lost the speed. I still wanted to be competitive against the clock. So I thought, well, I'll start running um, marathons. And um, I was also a children's television present, present at the time. And um, they said, oh, you know, do you mind if we film you running um, marathons? And I said, yeah, that's fine. And after that, they asked me, would you do an Ironman? Um, yes, of course, I'd do an Ironman. <laughs> <laughs> did you, did you know what one was when you agreed? Or did you think, yeah, yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> and then look at it. You know, do you want to jump out of a plane? Yeah, I'll do that. And I went down to see the Titanic for them as a documentary. Um, and then I had this idea together with another lady um, for the TV company I worked for of the Jungle Marathon uh, in Brazil. Yeah. And you know, S4C loved the idea. And and that was it. Back in 2008, the idea was born. And then I was racing in 2009. And it was the first ultramarathon I'd, I'd ever faced, really. Um, wow. 150, well, 140 miles in a week um, in a jungle full of snakes, anacondas. <laughs> <laughs> 
well, wade across swamps and swim across rivers full of piranhas. Um, we had to be self-sufficient with 15 kilos on our backs. To call it tough is an understatement, but yes, it was one of the best experiences I've, I've, I've ever had. The Jungle Ultra is one of those ones where, for, like, for your first ultra, that's incredible, because <laughs> I, I know people who've, like, who, when I was like running, like, I'd done the MDS and I'd run all these other races, and they were like, yeah, I'm sort of scared of the Jungle one, because, yeah, it, because of just how awful it sounds in terms of um, the terrain and the, the speed at which you go at, and then or it's, the, it's the environmental conditions as well. So for that to be your first experience of self-sufficient ultra... I remember running alongside this uh, German uh, runner and he was saying, you know, this is really tough. I've, I've raced, you know, the MDS, I've done this. Sorry, I've got a very enthusiastic toddler. <laughs> really keen to hear what I've got to say. Um, and uh, oh, I'll just say goodnight to him. Nasa! 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 Yeah. Nasa! Did you do Nasa? He's going to come and say goodnight. Oh, cute. Uh, Oh, he's no, he's he's gone with his balloon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, a first language is Welsh, so um, that's the language of the house. Yeah, is, is that but, his um, first his first step into the media? Is is this his career <laughs> launched on Bad Boy Running when he's a superstar in thirty years' time, running know what, across I, the I, North Pole? Yeah, I was I was back working, and he was on set with me when he was two weeks old. You know, but. He's he's kind of been born into running because I was running throughout my pregnancy. Well, after the first three months when I was told it was okay to run, I, I was back running. Not you know I was running about twenty five miles a week, thirty miles a week, um, which is, is still quite a lot. But for me, it was because you know I'd gone from running one hundred and fifty miles a week down to thirty miles a week, so it was quite a big drop for me. Yeah. Much much slower, but you know what? I really enjoyed it because it changed my attitude. I just really enjoyed running again. I didn't go out with my watch or anything like that. And then I was back running about two weeks after having him. And I remember that you know the first run back just broke my heart because I I was back to how I was when I was eighteen years old, leaving that hospital. I just could not run, and I was determined to get back into the world of of ultra endurance running. And and I just felt this wasn't going to be possible. But, you know, it's all about the little steps. It's all about the baby steps. And, and slowly, slowly, I just, you know, started to go out running, pushing the pram with him and really enjoying running just just for pu- purely personal reasons. And slowly, slowly, you know, the mileage began to increase again. And I, I was feeling strong. If anything, I was feeling stronger than I was for many, many years before that. So We might so, have had so, a chance to finally rest and, and all your niggles to finally disappear. Yeah. Yeah, and mentally as well, you know, I was I was running for a different reason, you know, I wasn't running to race or to break any records or be the fastest, I was just running for pure enjoyment and uh, it, yeah, it was really nice and then when I did start back racing again, when William was, he, he was he was about 11 months, you know, the hunger was back, you know, I was determined to run and I, when I did my first ultra, you know, I really enjoyed it and that determination and and that drive was, was, if anything, stronger than it had been for many years. I, I suppose having a baby sort of resets your pain threshold somewhat. Um, they do. St- <laughs> I, I remember the, uh, the midwife when, uh, when we had it, I said, um, a childbirth is almost as painful as running a marathon. <laughs> <laughs> Which subsequent, I, subsequently, my wife, my wife gets angry when I bring that up. Libby <laughs> would be furious. But, it's all relative, isn't it? It's all relative. Um, but um, 
yeah, I, I would I would class the Arctic Marathon on a par with my uh, well, my big moment of having William anyway. Because weren't you the only person to finish that? Yeah, I I was the only person. <laughs> <laughs> did Amazing. you think? Did you think at one point? Oh wow! I, you know, when I pushed myself for the last two days straight, I could have just walked. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's it's amazing. the The Arctic race broke me. It absolutely. It was so humbling to do the sixty six thirty three ultra because it it stripped my soul bare, but it also rebuilt it. Mm. Um, and I remember I started the race. Uh, well, before the race started, I'll just give you a brief background. I, I the first series of the Jungle Marathon was luckily a success and and s4c wanted a second series mm. and so i wanted to see how i'd be able to cope in the coldest of climates and i thought you know how am i going to go from 150 miles in a week to 350 miles in a week in in <laughs> minus 40 degrees celsius and winds were what 70 mile per hour so you you're looking at minus 72 degrees celsius um and only five people at the time had ever completed this challenge <laughs> So, um, you know, how do you how do you train for something like that when you're working full time as well? So I started running longer distances. It was more about time of the feet. It wasn't about speed. And I trained with the special forces. I went up to uh, northern Norway where they completely broke me mentally because they said, you know, physically, mentally, you're quite strong. But your systems are, you know, rubbish. You know, you don't know how to survive out in Arctic weather and so they taught me for example to um uh, assemble and disassemble my cooking utensils over and over and over again with you know three pairs of mittens on in minus 60 (laughs) (laughs) and blindfolded as well Um, over and over again I had to repair my the puncture on my pulp blindfolded over and over and over again and just these boring things really but when I was out in the jungle when I was out in the Arctic you know when these things did happen I knew I've done this before and I've done it blindfolded I've done it when I'm really cold and I could do it and when I sort of reached the bottom the well I call them the, the bottom of the valley basically and when I thought that oh I feel really bad I just remembered back to how I was feeling when I was with the soldiers and thought do you know what I've been here before and I've gotten out of this hole before and I'll climb back up to where I want to be um I also trained I I found running the I found the thought of running 350 miles in a week very scary as you can imagine so I worked quite a bit with a sports psychologist and he just said look you just you never think of it as a 350 mile race you know you've, you've you've raced 100 milers and you've done them not relatively easy, but you've 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 done them without m- much hardship really, and and um, think you're going to run three hundred milers and then a fifty miler to finish, and if you can't cope with that thought, then break it down even further. But he told me, why don't you run up Snowdon, the highest mountain in Wales, and run back down, run back up for the second time, then tease yourself by touching the bonnet of the car or something like that and then just go back up for the third time and and that's what I did N- not obviously to help my fitness but also to to train me mentally to be able to you know drag myself a little bit further when I had nothing left in the tank so when it did come to the start of the race um, you know I wasn't I knew I wasn't the strongest nor the fastest or the most experienced but I was quite confident that I was the best paired athlete on the start line with the, with the recording because 
I mean, I, I'd be quite happily in front of a camera when things are going well, but the, the extra pressure of having to film yourself. And, and how much, how heavy was the equipment you took? Uh, um, do you know, I, I don't really remember. Um, it was about 60 pounds, something like that. I can't, I can't re- really so you, remember. You, you have to, things like say blank out of my mind, you see. Is, is this um, one where you have to dra- drag, it, drag it behind you? Um, yes. Yeah, yes, okay. Yeah. So that's a huge disadvantage already on the start line, the fact that you've got to be carrying this extra weight, but also the fact you're thinking about the programme and you're having yeah. to at night. It, it, is, it is quite tough, and especially with the latest challenge. I know I'm jumping challenges now, but the latest <laughs> challenge I've done now, the 333, um, I'll, I'll mention and I'll talk about it in uh, further detail later on, but you know, there I had to um, think of links and interview people. But, you know, the same in the Arctic. I was thinking, what, you know, if I don't finish this race, what am I going to say as an end link? Or what am I going to say to the camera? Because obviously you're in the zone and that's all you're thinking about is the next step. And then you've got a camera and a microphone in your facing. Oh, how do you feel? You know, and, you, and what, that's all you want to do sometimes is just say, you know, just go away and leave me. Um, yeah. But sometimes it is quite welcoming to see them because it's it's given you a bit of a boost you think oh I've seen somebody now you know I want to talk to them but um going back to what you're saying about me being the last person in the race the uh, it was quite interesting how my mind worked because I I was after about 180 miles I was the last person on um, in the race and um I thought oh gosh, you know, I could actually go home now with my head held up high knowing that I've given up because mm. I'm the last person standing, you know, and, and I started to question, you know, is this you know, mental and physical torture really worth it or the sacrifice that I've done just to get here, you know, I was running 4,000 miles a year and, you know, was it really worth it? I shattered my metatarsals as well, my toenails were falling off just like in the jungle and I thought, oh, you know, I've just done enough, I can't take it anymore and then, I, I sort of saw myself on the sofa. It was like a hallucination. Um, I saw myself on the sofa back home telling people that I, you know, I, I won the race in a way. I, you know, I didn't cross the finish line, but I was the last person standing. And it was so real. The emotions I could feel at the time were so real. I realized, I kind of snapped out of this dream and realized that the pain of failure was going to last far longer than the pain I was going through at the time. And I thought, you know, Lowry, it's just about putting one step in front of another. It doesn't matter how fast I go, you know, just, just keep going. And and when I sort of worked that out in my head, you know, the strength came from nowhere. And I found a sixth, seventh gear. You know, I just kept thinking, you know, I feel really strong. And, and I'm sure, and the same thing happened in the jungle. There were times during that race as well where I'm sure the body gave up and the mind took over and just carried the body. You know, the pain all disappeared. Um, it was it, it, quite a magical feeling. And that's one of the reasons why I enjoy running distances, um, ultra distances, endurance races, because there's this kind of, I love the camaraderie, but also I like the places I go to in my head uh, during these races you know I've learned so much about myself um, I've seen these amazing places um, in Wales and further beyond and I've met these amazing people who've you know made me believe in myself and, and just dig deeper but I've also you know been to places in my head where I don't think I go often enough and you know certainly in the Arctic it was one of the hardest most painful experiences I've been to and yet one of the most uh, humbling, amazing, awe-inspiring, unforgettable journeys of my life. 
Because didn't you actually hallucinate during that race while you were there? Yeah, I did. I did actually uh, a few times. Um, the, the the funniest two stories I've got uh, would be during the first. Well, I I basically I was in fifth position um, after uh, twenty four hours, and I came up to kind of it wasn't the first checkpoint but there was this place where people could uh, stop at the bottom of a valley if they wanted to have 40 winks or something and I found the other four competitors having 40 winks in their bivy bags now it was at the bottom of of a range of mountains um, in the darkness and and it was minus 72 degrees celsius with the winds and I decided well I wasn't I wasn't feeling tired I wasn't going to benefit from sleeping in these conditions so I decided, you know, I'd rather tackle the mountains in the darkness and, and tackle <laughs> rather than seeing these, these ginormous mountains and, and having that mental um, barrier. So I just carried on going and carried on going for about, you know, 46 hours nonstop. And I started to hallucinate then and... Um, I, I saw kind of dark things in the ice road, you know, because my head was down all the time. And, you know, I saw some dark cartoons and, and I wasn't in a good place uh, for obvious reasons. But when I came towards the last hundred miles of the race and uh, um, back to the the training I'd done, I'd, I'd, I'd also, I ran a 50 a mile race around the Brecon Beacons. And when I crossed the finish line, I, I thought, you know what, I, w- I want to see if I can carry on. So I started to run back to Swansea, where I'm from, from and uh, in, which was 60 miles away. And, 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 I, and I, that's what I did. So, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> what, what about all your kit? Was it, did you have to go and pick it up? Um, I, luckily, I had a support team with me then. My, my, one of my mates, they, they're just as crazy as me. They, they kind of um, said, you know, we'll follow you back. Fair play, which like amazing you know i'm so grateful for 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 my support team and and uh, i have the utmost respect for all support teams out there um but yeah so i sort of so i managed to complete this 110 miles so when it came to the last 100 miles in the arctic i knew gosh i've been here before i, I can do it no problem it was my sprint home which is crazy to think of but <laughs> mentally I, I knew right i this is my run home now and i was in a good place and and that's all I wanted was a seat. That was one regret. One thing I didn't take with me was like a, a little seat to sit on. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's odd out how you miss these tiny yeah. things when you're out out in in, um, in extreme conditions. And I thought, um, oh, you know, I really want to sit. I really want to just sit. I don't want to sit on the floor. I'm on, you know, on my on my uh, uh, on my phone, which I had. You know, I want to sit on a chair. And then all of a sudden, I, th- I saw a park bench, and I thought, oh, that's... <laughs> Was there someone lying on it, though? It's a trap. Like, you bastard. That's all I wanted. And they said, um, I said, oh, that's really kind of the organisers. I've most probably been kind of moaning so much, they've put one out for me. And, of course, I went up to it, pulled my rucksack off, and went to sit on it, and realising it wasn't there, and just, you know, thought, oh, I'm a bit tired. So I slept <laughs> 45 uh, minutes uh, before carrying on towards the end but it's amazing how the um, mind plays games with you but yeah that that was one of the funniest um, 
um, hallucinations I've had. Did you hallucinate on the on the jungle run as well then? Because I mean, I can imagine because it, it's very much um, in you know, two completely different environments. But with the like the jungle environment, there's a lot of noise, and that's the one thing that a lot of people um, yeah. I've spoken to said it's just the noises all the time, um, yeah, which, which really sort of play with it. Yeah, I I don't remember hallucinating as such. You know, I remember night. I thought a helicopter was landing in our camp, and it was actually the howling monkeys. Um, but um, you know, the the sounds and everything were, were just incredible. Um, I just, you know, when I um, ran into into a dense part of the forest where they told us the jaguars lived there, you know, you could smell them, but you could kind of sense that they were watching you. But um, I didn't hallucinate as such. I think the longest day I had, because obviously it was a stage race, race which yeah. is different to the Arctic, which is nonstop. So, you know, the longest run I did was was a 65-miler, and I, I did it in something like 17 and a half hours. But um, that was tough. That was really tough. I, yet again, I was losing toenails, and I, I made the big mistake of wearing shoes which were too small for me really because you know your feet just as you can imagine just Uh, just got they were like hobbit's feet basically (laughs) I I hadn't really taken into consideration how big my feet would swell out in in the jungle so um as you can imagine I I was struggling a bit a big lesson learned there but yeah, I didn't hallucinate. I did, however, step on a hornet's nest, and I was bitten quite badly by hornet's nest um, by hornets about forty times. I was, you know, counting them as I was running along. Oh, God. It sounds wonderful, doesn't it? These both sound funny. <laughs> and, and the other, the other thing about the, the two sort of contrasts between those races is that um, it, the, the, what you're running on is uh, is is really treacherous. So you're. The, the terrain of um, the jungle marathon is, is, is a lot of roots and a lot of um, sort of like really slippery mud and stuff like that. Whereas the the uh, uh, is, is you're you're on an ice road the whole way. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, I mean, how do you how do you sort of cope with that? The ice road was hard, um, really hard. And when I pulled my shoes off um, after the race, you know, my feet were black and blue from from the constant pounding I suppose you know 350 miles of pounding and um, you know my feet were in a quite a bad state and uh, when I came back home and you know I went to a, to see a, a doctor about a foot specialist basically about my feet and they said you know you've, you've shattered your metatarsals you know but what, but but what was it was amazing and you know they were seeing how the foot had kind of after six weeks had healed itself to kind of help my running you know the bones had kind of um, gone back so as they could um, uh, they, they evolved in a way. Um, oh, wow. You're like Wolverine. Yeah, that's what I say, Wolverine, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I just, you know, it's, it isn't, isn't it? The body's amazing. And I'm always amazed at the stories I hear. And yeah, so he said there was, I'm, I'm no scientist at all, but he was saying how um, something had reattached a bit, you know, to give me more flexibility uh, around my ankle, which, you know, I just thought that was amazing. And um, yeah, that's 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 one of the stories. But the, the jungle was was painful as well on, on the feet. Um, I think that was partly because of my fault, wearing the trainers being too small. Um, but 
yeah, of course we we it was it was softer ground, but you were constantly changing terrain and and tripping over obstacles all the time, jumping yeah. over logs and and trees, fallen trees, and going through swamps and swimming and being wet all the time. You know, the, uh, the organizers kindly made us swim across rivers. You know, before even starting on the stage. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> <Start>. <laughs> Yeah, so you can imagine, um, and I, what I did, I, I did a lot of, because it was my first ultramarathon, and, and um, you know, people just couldn't believe that I just, this was my first ultramarathon, and, and uh, they were saying, oh, because I strapped my feet from, from the onset, basically, um, I spoke a lot with uh, the, you know, some special forces, and, and they'd, uh, very good friends of mine, and they they kind of reminded me about how important feet are. And they were saying, you know, if you don't look after your feet, then you're going nowhere. You can have the fastest, strongest, most powerful car, but if you don't look after the tires, then you're not getting anywhere. And I just remembered that. So I basically taped my feet. You know, I was meticulous about looking after my feet. Um, I think I had one one uh, blister, but I saw other people really struggle with really deep blisters. Everybody was different. I certainly had a different way of looking after my feet, but it worked for me. So yeah, I, I my feet were just white, full of full of tape, basically, and with the exception of of the toenails, I didn't really struggle that bad with with trench foot like many did. And and out in the Arctic, how were you fueling throughout the race, and and how were you sleeping as well? What was your? Did you have a routine? Yeah, I did have a routine, and what I did, and yet again, the soldiers told me to do this. They said write an idiot's guide from A to B what to do to get into your sleeping bag and put it on a lanyard um, so I had a lanyard with how to get into my sleeping bag <laughs> I had a lanyard with the speed I wanted to do and where I should you know in an ideal world where should I where I should be at each yeah. point but the um, the lanyard with directions and, and in, um, information of how to get into the bag was was, it sounds so silly and I felt really silly writing it you know left foot in sleeping bag right foot in, blah 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 but it, it really did help because there were times you know I was going I, I was I, I think my shortest day was something like 15 hours something like that and I was exhausted and sometimes you just you just had to read your directions and follow these directions on your on your lanyard to see what you had to do next uh, because you were so tired. I had a bivy bag, basically. Um, so some took tents. I decided that it was a race. I wanted to take a bivy bag. So um, I would jump into the bivy bag and then I would close it as tight as I could and be able to just push my arms out to be able to put this um, cooking, uh, put the cooking utensils uh, up and then cook my food on that. And uh, sometimes I, I found like a little hole where I could just go and, and get away from all the, the wind, of course. And yeah, it, and, and that's how I did. I, I would sleep for 45 minutes, not not more than that. You know, you'd wake up and you were cold. So you just got up and carried on. And I remember quite early on realizing it didn't matter if I slept for 45 minutes because I would just carry on. And once I got tired, I would just sleep again. You know, it, even if it meant after two hours of, of getting up, it was all about just keeping going and, and keeping not warm because obviously you don't want to be too warm out in the Arctic um, you're always racing cold and and it, the, the, the game was just to keep going and um, I think so you, I did, you didn't set alarms you just happened to wake up because you're freezing so much 
I think I would set an alarm on my foot on my uh, watch. Um, but, you know, I just woke up before. There were there were also um, checkpoints where we could sleep inside. Uh, maybe a hall for a night. Um, but I was quite um, adamant that I was, I tried not to sleep too much because I knew mm. if I got tired, I would just sleep again. I didn't want to um, get too comfy um, because sometimes I find it harder sometimes after a really good night's sleep to get up again. Mm. <laughs> um, and I guess those are the moments when you're probably most likely to, to pull out. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, I've just recently... But like I said, did this three 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 challenge, and um, I wanted to bivy out, um, and um, didn't work out like that because, um, because it was a television series, and I had to accept that um, I wasn't going to break any records as I'd hoped. So I ended up sleeping in the hotels, and I wasn't too happy about that because I knew if I had a really nice, comfy bed for the night, then it was, would be so much harder, not just physically but mentally, to distract mm. myself out to run another sixty miles. On these, um, like. Um, sort of extreme, extremely long ones with, um, you know, when you're in the, sort of in the middle of nowhere. It's not, it's not that easy to sort of tap out of it, is it? I mean, what if you if you decided to um, to sort of like quit? What 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 what's the process? Well, in the Arctic, if you quit, you just have to sit down, and and the support team would kind of kind of just pick pick you up. Yeah, they did the sleep basically uh, once, twice a day, and of course, by I think quite early on, there were only two of us left, um, and then. What what happened? I as I was quite aware as well that I had TV cameras with me, and I didn't want uh, anybody to think that I was taking advantage of having oh, okay. um, team with me, um, mm-hmm. helping me not only physically but psychologically as well, knowing that they were there. So they filmed quite a bit of me during the first twenty four hours, maybe forty six hours even. But after that, they dropped back. Um, you know, they they'd be something like a mile behind me and I wouldn't even realize they were there but of course out in the Arctic you know you can see for miles ahead and mm. and especially in the dark they would just turn their lights off and they would just slowly slowly follow me and because they could just see that the, the torch um bobbing along in in the darkness but um that that that's what happened out in the Arctic very similar in the in the jungle just some sweepers at the end just making sure everybody was being picked up and in terms of having the cameras there do you are you thinking while you're in the race about being a tv watcher someone watching the television and thinking oh wow this is gonna look great or are you just solely focused on getting through the next 10 miles the next hour or so it is, it is a bit of both because I I've worked in television now for 20 years and been presenting for 18 years. I sort of have an idea of what people would like to see, and I think people want to see real people. Really, um, mm. and I was um, talking about it today actually earlier, and I was telling people, you know, you you can't fake it on television, especially in a race in a, in a documentary. Um, uh, following me doing a jungle marathon, um, so what you see is 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 me basically. There's no act or anything, but there are times when you think, for example, in the jungle when I stepped in the hornet's nest and you my tongue was swelling, I was lost, um, and and I thought I had my producer's head on then, and I was thinking, you know, I'm fed up. Why am I here? Why am I putting myself through all this pain? And you know, I've got. <laughs> I'm going to just make it to the next checkpoint. You know, I had to make it to the next checkpoint to get out of the jungle. 
And I thought to myself, right, what I'm going to do, I'm going to get to the next checkpoint and I'm going to think of a really, really good end link to this series. And hopefully it'll be something like, you know, I'll be back, you know, failure isn't everything. <laughs> yeah. um, and hopefully S4C will still want to commission <laughs> me attempting it again or whatever. So, yeah, you do think about it. And sometimes it's it's a welcome escapism because, you know, you're not thinking mm. about, you know, your, your pain or anything like that. But also it's it's it can be quite tough. So you so you like you don't like have um, you, you kick the hornet's nest and you're like going, oh, this is great drama. I mean, I've, I've got to put I've got to put up with this thing, but this is going to this is great drama. <laughs> there was there was a time when um, it, you know, it's, I, I can't. In the Arctic, there was a point where my uh, the other runner, the, the two who were left in, in the race, myself and this other runner, you know, we, we just kind of, we were we were walking like a horse does in a dressage, you know. We were just <laughs> going right across, you know. We, we weren't walking in straight lines at all. And I thought, oh, well, the cameras now, this is what they should be seeing. <laughs> but, you know, no, it doesn't last for that long, really. But, yeah, you do, you do naturally have... A producer's head and, and think right you know this you know where are the cameras now or oh yeah the cameras are in a good place now but the, the thing is you have to realize when I was in the edit suites as well um cutting uh, both programs it's you you're never going to get cameras following you know the whole of the race you never ever even if you did have cameras following every single mile you will never be able to fit a whole story into what yeah. A long program so sometimes I've had to in the edit suite step back and say look you know I need if if I was here I'd want to put all of my stories in and, and that's not going to happen because it, mm. we have enough hours so sometimes I have to step back and think you know somebody else you know you you choose the best stories or the best storylines and, and you follow it like that and sometimes I have to step back because you know, you're never going to recreate that. Uh, you know, it hundred percent are you? Because you're never going to be able to fit the whole. You know, so many stories come out of these ultra marathons. Very difficult to put it all down in 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 you know when S4C and an hour long a documentary is is not even an hour long. So um, with with adverts and everything, but um, you know, I I'm very proud of the programs and the series. They both won BAFTAs and and Celtic Media Awards and international awards, and I'm really proud. And but the thing is, I think the thing I'm proudest of is the fact that I never gave up. You yeah. know, I don't believe that I'm I'm I'd love to be the fastest runner, but I'll never be the fastest runner in in a race. Um, I I'll be the I'll be maybe the tortoise, you know, just keeps going and just doesn't stop. And and that's what makes me proud. You know, when I can't sprint, I plod, but I just never give up. And I think that's, I think running and ultra running has certainly helped my way of thinking in real life, as I call it, you know, in, in my professional life. And the lessons I've learned during competitions and things, I've, I've, I've certainly taken them into my professional life and, and it's, it's helped me really cope with things and, no, we'll work through things much better. And when, so when, you, you think, when you're looking back at when you're actually in the edit suite, and you're looking back at them. Do you look at them and think, "Oh, I felt awful since then," or do you look at back at them with a sort of nostalgia, thinking, "Oh, 
that that was you know that was wonderful at that point you know i mean how how far away from like the edit are you when uh, between the race and the edit that that you know um, have you, as 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 pain replaced uh, as, as nostalgia replaced pain it's, it's odd because with the jungle there was um we started editing it a few months after the race yeah. so yeah you did look at it with a bit of nostalgia and kind of one is and then it's really weird because i i was cutting the uh, end of stage six, uh, which was the 62 miler, uh, which the one that I stepped in a hornet's nest and everything like that. There were seven stages in all in, in the Amazon. And this was stage, stage six. And um, I was doing a piece to camera after running the 62 miles. And I told the editor, um, oh, I'm, I'm, I break down now. So, you know, everybody loves tears, don't they? So um, keep rolling and, and we'll have to put that in. And, and I wasn't crying. <laughs> and I just, and I said, oh, no, 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 there must be another shot because I definitely cried. You know, I was, I was in tears. You know, I completely broke down after that, uh, after that stage. And I didn't cry. And it was really, really weird because inside I was a broken person. But oh, on camera, uh, face value, I was kind of, well, I was exhausted, and I and I was saying, you know, I'm a broken person, but I, you know, I was smiling, and um, so it's really weird, and I'm sure many people who would be surprised and how they look and how they feel. Yeah. And do yeah. I'm the opposite. So I, I say to people, I go, look, there's some video of it, there's a photo of it, and I'm going to come around this corner and I look at, I look epic. I look, <laughs> I look, I'm flying, I look epic. And then all of a sudden it looks like Steptoe and Sun coming around. Go like, who's that old man? Oh, it's, oh, oh, it's me. Yeah, it's, it's the reverse. No, I get those moments as well, Josie. That's fine. No, you're not alone there. Um, no, there are times when, when, you know, I look absolutely exhausted and, and also my eyes are kind of completely wide um because i'm completely in the zone you know i'm in this kind of different planet and just i'm just away with the fairies just, <laughs> just kind of running and i've reached that plateau where yeah. i'm quite happy and the, the most recent series with me running you know that you see times where i was like wow you know gosh her eyes are she's way there she's way gone you know and 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 i i like being in those places because there are times when you just feel as if you're just floating along the way and you're just or everything's working like clock you, you know you're just looking at the watch and you think gosh i'm running really good times here and you mm. just smile and you feel really inspired and and you're in a good place and then bang you're back in you know, <laughs> you're just feeling every step and then after a while, you're back in the zone again. It's just a, it's a roller coaster of emotions running. I think you know, and it's all relative. I get a lot of people saying, "Oh, you know, I couldn't do what you do," and I think, "Yes, yes, you could. You know, if you wanted to do it, and if if there's a will, there's a way." And um, it's the same with you know, if I run a five kilometer race, you know, I st I go through the same emotions, but obviously more intensely. So. Um, mm. Yeah, it's 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 an amazing experience running, and uh, and uh, you know, I I hope even when I hope it doesn't happen, but even when my knees are gone, I I hope I'll still be kind of running in inverted commas, um, and just um, still enjoying being outside, you know, pushing boundaries and finding new ones. Because that that's a potential problem. Because do, do you think you could go back to being happy just doing thirty miles a week again? I think so. Yes, I think um, it's all about uh, changing, changing your bar, basically. And, you know, I am I have I sort of 
uh, changed my training a bit. You know, I'm doing less mileage now, but I'm concentrating on speed. Uh, you know, I've gone back to trying to race more marathons, just just for a change, really. And then I'm going to try and pick it up and do some more ultras then later on in the year. So it's it's all about you know I've just started to join a, a running group where, which is great for me because normally I run on my own and I'm and I've got one speed and it's all about endurance for me. But now it's it's different. I'm running less mileage and mm. and trying to uh, you know the 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 aim has changed a bit. Uh, my goal has changed, um, and I'm 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 okay with that. Yeah, I'm. I it's think a different pain, isn't it? If you're <laughs> pushing for speed rather than just pushing through that ache, it's a completely different feeling. Yeah, and and I'm just constantly amazed at where our boundaries are and how far we can push them. You know, these these races. I think what I've learned in these races is the competition isn't against the other runners. The competition is against that little voice in the back of your mind saying you know quit and I've learned over the years to just not listen to it and I think another thing I've learned a lot is is having patience because you know running 5k or a 500k race you know I, I find myself getting panicky and I'm sure many of you would be able to understand you know your legs aren't moving fast enough you know you want to get to the end you want to beat that time and, and you're thinking I'm not gonna make it I'm not gonna make it come on come on and then you know the adrenaline starts going and sometimes you've just got to go, you know, let it go, listen to your body, you know, listen to the rhythm and let it go, have patience and you will get there in the end. And um, I've, I, that's what I've learned, you know, is just to just not let it get to you and, and just listen to your body, get to that zone, that rhythm, and then it'll all start working like, like clockwork. So when did, where did the 333 idea come from to, to, to run that? Um, it started when, oh, I, in, oh quite few years ago basically 2014 actually that's when I hatched the idea I wanted to go for a world first challenge but I also wanted to do it in Wales because I've traveled the world racing and I've, I've also been very fortunate with the programs I've worked with the documentaries um, I've done a lot of adventure documentaries and lived with indigenous tribes around the world and but I've never really done a big challenge in Wales and I wanted to do it especially in 2016 the Welsh Government's year of adventure obviously before that I fell pregnant and I had to put it on hold for a bit um, and I so after having Gwilym you know I hadn't completed a big endurance challenge on my home turf nor for a few years um, so I thought of the 333 challenge which was um, three ultra marathons so a total of 150 miles over three of Wales's most iconic peaks. So you've got Snowdon, Cader Idris and Penavan um, in three consecutive days. You know, and you hear of you know, the, the Welsh three peaks as well as the UK's Welsh peaks is huge, you know. And I know yeah. people have cycled between them, driven, whatever, and I wanted to run. Um, and I think it was 6,000 metres of climbing as well. So... Yeah, I wanted it to be a world first. I haven't been through the Guinness Book of World Records, but I don't think anybody's done it. It it wasn't against the clock it, it due to filming logistics. I initially wanted to do it as quickly as possible without hardly any sleep. But obviously, um, making it for a television programme, you have to think about the, the logistics. Mm. And, um, and I also wanted to do it alongside some inspirational endurance runners. So I had um, one of my best friends who's an ex um, soldier had an actor, an ultramarathon runner running with me. I had a long distance young runner, 
um, who's making a name for himself, Owen Roberts, who um, just came back from Rhodesia, uh, from running with Rhodesia and from running in Kenya with him. And But what really surprised me, um, like I told you earlier, was not only how tough it was, but how tough it was to run a long distance, interviewing other runners. <laughs> oh, that was so difficult. And you know, just I didn't realise how much energy would zap. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it was great. I wouldn't change it for the world, though. You know, they were amazing. And some of them I didn't know. Some of them were very good friends of mine already. And, and the camaraderie between us always was incredible, you know. And that's the thing about these distance races. You just get to meet these people with these amazing stories who are totally... Um, inspire you basically to just keep going and um yeah I, I just love that part of running as well yeah so yeah interesting interesting challenge and I did it in 60 hours anyway 60 hours wow yeah so yeah. what are you thinking next then oh goodness I'd love to do loads of things uh you know I want to run some of these races um around the world um I also want to create challenges I did have, I was supposed to be doing um, a World First Challenge at the beginning of this year, but um, I couldn't get the sponsorship, corporate sponsorship in time. You know, that's part of the game, basically, and mm. sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Me, I just enjoy running. I don't quite enjoy <laughs> that side of things, I must admit, but, you know, it comes with the territory. So hopefully, hopefully I'll be able to um, do a challenge. I'd like to go to South Pole I'd like to go there I'd like to go to I'd like to go back to the Arctic again I just absolutely loved it and, and Antarctica um, and you know more jungles more jungles and more jungles <laughs> and more, <laughs> uh, but, and mountains you know I want to do some of these big races in America all over the world really but, and um, it's just I have a huge bucket list yeah. Uh, I, I can't see myself fulfilling all of them but it's all about fitting in with my with my schedule now because I'm a mother and you know I have different priorities my training has changed you know I I, I can't you know I, ideally I wanted to run across America um, I'm never going to be able to do that with 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 the toddler by my side really um well well, you know, well actually but, if, if you read Rob Young's book there are ways you could do it so uh, you've, you've just got to be open to, to sitting in a car a lot more than you suggest you are <laughs> I'll have to take your word for that yeah, I'm sure there are ways you know but for me you know with, with my, my priority is 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 with my son and my family and um, yeah. um I you know I can't see myself being able at the moment to go away for that long so I'm trying to find a challenge which is far more intense maybe shorter that I can can do not you know without taking me away from my family for, for too long because you know my work takes me away quite a bit anyway so um uh, I try not try not to you know to uh, interrupt my son's life too much with my traveling basically but um yeah I I you know the world's a small place now so many challenges and so many things to do um, but, you know, the thing that makes me more excited is, is going out, you know, tomorrow I'll be putting him in the pram. Um, I'll be putting the dog uh, lead around my waist and, and the three of us will just go out running around the park. And, um, you know, we'll be doing, I don't know, 10 miles or something together. And, you know, and then stopping at the end and just throwing ball and he'll be, my son will be running around and the dog will be chasing the ball. And, you know, that, that gives me 
as much pleasure as as crossing a finish line on on a big you know challenge so um yeah you know just just being outside and and running just makes me happy it's it's what it's it's in my blood you know it's who I am you know I don't do it you know I do it for my family I do it for people who have given money strangers who have given money to charities that I support and but I also do it for me and I think that's one of the key reasons why um people complete these challenges because at the end of the day you, you've got to have some faith in yourself that you are going to make it you've got to do it yeah. for yourself. If, you, if you haven't got that inside you then it's it's a far greater battle um and i and people say oh you know what motivates you to keep going and i and i think you know well how would i feel when i cross that finish line it might burn or you know hurt as crazy now but you know to cross that finish line that sense of relief and 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 that feeling of overcoming obstacles is is a huge huge and fantastic feeling and and that's what motivates me you know of, with with you know without forgetting of course seeing my son at the finish line and, and my husband my family you know cheering me on but you know you've got to do it for yourself as well and, and also you've you've got new feet now so it's like when you get a new toy and you think oh, i can't wait to test this now that I, your feet are even better than before <laughs> you're probably thinking oh wow imagine what i can do with these puppies i don't i don't know if it if it, ha- if it has made me uh, uh, faster but uh, in all of honesty i don't get as much problems with my ankles as i used to so maybe there's something there but um you know i i just tell people just go out grab life with both hands you know because we've you know, from an early age, I was, I was taught to take risks. And basically, there were times when I really did not want to um, do these races, especially with cameras following me. Yeah. I just felt the pressure mm. to, to kind of not fail, basically. And there were times when I thought, you know, I'm just going to pull out. I'm not going to do it. But, I, you know, just I'm so glad I took the risk. You know, I, I'm so glad I took that first step because it's opened a whole new world, a whole new world. To me you know I wouldn't be talking to you guys now if, if I had been if I had given up you know early on in the training for the jungle marathon for example so um yeah and do you feel the the fact that you the television programs they need you to do something bigger they need you to do something different is that an extra pressure when you're thinking of your next potential project that you can't do something that's exactly the same you have to somehow up it um I haven't actually felt the pressure from the television um, channel if anything the pressure comes from me more than anything because I think well who wants to hear my you know boring story about why I want to <laughs> um, but uh, you know people say yeah no they do some people do you know some people might not but you know some people do and um, and it is very personal especially the last one is very personal because it's all about how I feel and what motivates me and why we run etc the others were more more like a race commentary so maybe next time i'll think of something i don't know maybe it'll have a different feel to it i don't know mm. but yeah I, I i'd like to think of something else and 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 maybe offer s4c or another channel the idea of filming it we'll see maybe the s4c viewers have had enough of running uh, programs for a while <laughs> <laughs> I hope not, but that's not going to stop me anyway. I'm still going to carry on running. See, the, the, the more running that you keep on S4C, the less triathlon. That's good. So you're, you're, doing, you're doing a public service. <laughs> Actually, I'm, I'm working on the triathlon uh, for S4C. No! <laughs> so I can't really get involved with that. No! 
<laughs> so is can we can the do badders can they find your shows on iPlayer or yeah. are they available still? Uh, yeah, I hope they are. I, you know, I haven't looked, but um, I was. I think uh, the three three three. Uh, if you put in my name, Larry Morgan, three three three. Um, it it was possible to watch the series on BBC iPlayer or on S four C um, catch up. Um, I don't know if it's still on there now, but it's always repeated. Uh, <laughs> you know, there, there's always chance to see the the series again. So I, if people want to follow me on Twitter, it's um, at underscore Lowry Morgan. Then um, I'll, I'll try and let people know when when the series um, get gets repeated. Basically, now we, we've got a couple of quick questions from someone called. And Garnish, who is, she actually asked us to, to come and, and get you on the podcast. Oh, that's nice. Thank you, Anne. Yeah, she's a, he's, she's a huge fan. So you've already oh. answered a couple of her questions already. Uh, but one of them was, are you still on for the seven in seven on seven? Yeah, that's that's the thing that's not working out at the moment. So, um, yeah, I've just got to wait and see if that's going to be possible. Um, I was hoping to do it uh, last month, but not... Um, unfortunately so just cross fingers so that's seven marathons in uh, seven days on seven continents yeah seven ultras yeah seven days okay. seven continents. but um uh, i don't know maybe somebody else will do it you know and if so you know best of luck to them and and you know i hope it goes really well and if not you know i'll give it a go and um yeah if 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 i can do it that's brilliant if i don't you know i'll have to think of another challenge you know and then her, her last question is it's quite an interesting one she says how do you feel when headlines now refer more to you being a mum rather than what you've achieved so for example this mum ran 150 miles in three days in a bid to inspire her little boy as uh, one of the Wales online titles yeah I, I've never really thought of it like that to be honest with you but it's, it's a good point it, it's um it, it's really interesting because before having Gwilym, a lot of people, you know, they 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 scared me really because they they were saying, you know, you you never you're going to be a mother now and and you're not going to be able to do what you used to do and you won't be able to do this and you won't be running blah blah blah. And I thought, gosh, my life is good because running is such a big part of my yeah, life. Yeah. It's, it's it, this is you know this is really going to change my life. How am I going to be able to cope with it? But I have. But um, it does sometimes. It doesn't bother me really. But what? What I feel very strongly about is when I am racing, I don't race against other mothers. I don't race against other men. I'm racing against other athletes. Doesn't matter what their age or sex or whatever. I, I, it's, it's. I'm there trying to beat the next person in front of me. Mm. Uh, so you know, when I run, I'm, I'm not running as a mother. Personally, yes, my son does motivate me, and, and I'm, he does inspire me. Um, and but other people inspire me as well, and and people often ask me, you know, who does inspire you? And and I, it's the it's it's the the, the people's stories, you know, the people I've met, their stories of how they overcome their own challenges, you know, that inspires me. So it's not, so it, it's a good question actually, because yeah, people have changed because I'm now a mother and I can run these distances, and wow, we as if mothers haven't done this before, you know, but some. <laughs> You know, some of the best mothers are, are world champions. Not best mothers, best runners are, are mothers, you know. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's quite, it is quite interesting, actually. 
but I'm very proud, you know, I'm very proud to be a mother and, and I'm very proud that, you know, to be included in, um, in articles. But, um, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm just another runner. I'm not a, a mother who happens to run. I'm, I'm just a, a runner who happens to have a son, you know, um, if that makes sense. That makes yeah, sense. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, completely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Jodie's always using the excuse of having the kids to... Oh, yeah, my father, yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> That's exactly it. I know. Again, it's the reverse of you. Just uh, just saying, oh, I did, the children have made it really difficult for me to go running uh, today because they need a bath or something, yeah. etc. It is, it is yeah. difficult, you know, I, I, and I, I know exactly what you mean, and... I've started to kind of get up at five o'clock in the morning now and, and, you know, I'm Saturday morning, I'd be up at five running 22 miles, you know, I'd be finished by eight o'clock, whatever. And, um, and you know, that's really weird thinking, oh gosh, I've nearly run a marathon before breakfast. And, but you've got, you know, if you want to do it, you've just got to do it. And, um, mm. tomorrow I'll be going out running twice a day and, and, you know, it is difficult, but I find that, Sometimes my training is better because I've got less. Um, before I, I would have, for example, all day to go out and run 30 miles, mm. but now I haven't got all day, so I try to fit it in as quickly as possible. So I've got maybe sometimes I fit in three sessions of shorter, sharper runs, and and um, I, I find sometimes that's better for me anyway because I, I'm not one for speed and I can be. Um, a bit lazy when it comes to speed and sprinting so these sessions tend to um, spur me on basically but um, it is difficult you know life does change when you're having children in regards to to training and obviously other things but especially in the world of of ultra running trying to fit those extra miles in is is quite a challenge in itself yeah absolutely well thank you so much for coming on the show it's been amazing Time has flown, isn't it? Yeah, it always does, actually. But I feel really bad because I've only just started running again after two months of not running. And the only reason I wasn't running is because it just seemed a little bit cold outside. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's nothing wrong with that reason. I've been using that. I used that reason in July. <laughs> yeah. So I feel pretty bad now just hearing yeah. about you doing these 300 miles across the Arctic. And oh, I mean, it's just such a contrast. It's a different cold, though, because, you know, out there it's dry. Here it's wet cold, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's equally as hard here, isn't it? That's what you're saying. I, I, I agree, I agree. But, it's, but, the, but what you have to for, for, for David, he is very difficult because, um, unlike you, he can't call on the army for help. Um, because he has had previous with them, and they won't, allow, they won't, right. they won't allow him back in. They won't. They won't right. They're embarrassed to be around here. <laughs> yeah, we've got serious beef, especially in the Philippines. Exactly. Uh... <laughs> oh, I did quite a, a bit of. I went to the uh, went and trained with some of the Royal Marines, and and um, you know, great guys. I have to say, were really, uh, you know, and some of them, they, you know, remained very close friends with many of them, and utmost respect basically and um they you know they've always you know i was always a bit afraid because i was the girl you know and and kind of you know gosh they'd, they'd be kind of oh you know might maybe worried that the girl was you know behind and the girl but you know that never happened you know that that just have i had the utmost respect and um yeah they've all been really good and just taken me in and kind of like right you're one of us and just you know no no extra special attention or anything like that it was just muck in and just do your, your job and I think without them uh, without the training I did with them in in the um 
in Norway, I, I don't think I would have been able to do the Arctic because it's all, as you would know, it's all about systems, isn't it? And, yeah. and the Arctic was like the third physical, third mental and third, you know, personal administration. And I think that one of the reasons why I did succeed was because my personal administration was was really that's, good. And, that's brilliant. I mean, that's just that's such a great insight into, into yeah. something like that. I mean, that's a really good way to put it. I, I was trying to think of because we talk, we, when we were talking about doing like the MDS and stuff. Um, we were saying how how physical and um, uh, how mental it is, but yeah, it's like it's the it's those systems, isn't it? That yeah. you uh, that you put in place that you just don't have to think about that. Yeah, you know, which is more. Yeah, you know, the MDS is not not really that big an issue, but it, it, it's somewhere like in those extreme conditions where you know, it's it's beyond anything that the human body should be doing in those. In those, then just you know, yeah, being able to do it blindfolded is incredible. <laughs> Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought you'd have to? Yeah, you know, that's the that's the thing that you have to practice. I mean, that is just where like knowledge and uh, experience sort of. Re- it, it, well, like you say, it's, it's the thing that made the difference. Yeah, definitely, without a doubt. And even the organizer said, you know, you you are one of the best paired um, really? athletes we've seen in this race. Um, and I and I think that was you know, the 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 key to the success, basically. I don't suppose See, I, I, I don't suppose you've done any obstacle course races, have you? <laughs> you? And you know the secret to those. No, I don't. I have been offered and um and I've been invited to to the Tough Mudder, which I would love to do. Um but uh, that that would be quite a challenge, I think, for me, because it's 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 based on strength, isn't it? And and it's a faster paced race than, than three hundred and fifty miles through the Arctic. So I'm I'm sure that would be quite a challenge in itself for myself. Well, if you want to do a tough mud, I'd, I'd happily get the UK champion, the UK female champion, and all run it with you and see you'll be able to do it with, without any, any worries at all. To show me up. <laughs> no, no, as a team, as a team, absolutely. No, you know what, that would be great fun. That would be great, great fun. If, if you ever can do that, count me in. Okay, we'll sort that out. I'm sure Tough Mudder will be happy to. In fact, we might even do it at the Nuts Challenge and show Jodie up because uh, <laughs> that'd be more humiliating for him. But yeah, we'll. Um, in fact, we'll, we'll we'll see when you're free and see if we can get a do bad a day where the do bads can come along and chat to you, and we can all do it together as a huge group. Yeah, yeah, because I did um, I did the Three Peaks Yacht Race this year, and um, I was quite nervous about doing it more because I was racing in a team which I hadn't done for years and years and so used to being on my own and um do you know I loved it absolutely loved it and and um we ended up taking line honors and first time for a female um all team female crew to do that and you know I just absolutely loved the experience and we were I wouldn't say that we were well we were just we just worked really well we we knew each other's strengths and weaknesses we didn't know each other before the race mind uh, only one person knew all of us that was the um the mutual friend we had she she was a sailor and um and we just you know she just gelled and got on and and we ended up winning because I think we we worked well together and that that was the that was the secret um and so yeah I, I'd be really excited about doing something in a team again and just out of interest on the, the three peaks uh, yacht race do you have to run the peak from the sea then do you actually yeah. get off the boat and then yes with the exception of white taven so we start in barmouth and we sail up to carnarvon where then we run 24 miles to snowden and back <laughs> then, <laughs> as you do and then 
sail up to Whitehaven and it's 20 miles, uh, well, 10 miles out uh, on the bike and then 20 mile run to Scaffold Pike and then back to the bike and 10 miles back and then a sail up to um, Fort William and then 20 miles up by Nevis and back then. Um, And how long did that take? Uh, it took us five days. We didn't have any wind, so we had to row. <laughs> <laughs> Did you even have paddles with you at the time? Or? Yeah. <laughs> not allowed to use your engine. So wow. to go across the Menai Straits, we had to row. And I did a bit of rowing, but luckily two of the girls had rowed across the Indian and Atlantic Ocean, as you do. And uh, they, they were hardened rowers. And... Um, but you know, some other hand because obviously uh, the Joe and I, the runners, had slept for for a bit, and when we woke up, you know, they, they for a couple of hours, and and the girls, there, the hands were just red, raw, going. <laughs> so we took over then. So it was all about you know doing everything really, and yeah. uh, I've done a bit of sailing myself. So had Joe. So and then uh, Joe struggled a little bit. Um, uh, and uh, well, actually, she, she struggled a bit because she found out afterwards that she was pregnant. So she had <laughs> Wow. She did the three yachts and she was saying, oh, I'm not feeling well. I was being, come on, come on. <laughs> so now because she was pregnant um, at early ages uh, and she's expecting her uh, first child next month now. So, um, uh, yeah. But we just all all chipped in and just did a little bit of everything. And when she was struggling, the other girls were saying, "Look, you know, if she don't, doesn't make it, and and can't can't make the next stage. You know, we'll run instead." And you know, we were just just worked really. There were no divas. We were just five athletes on that boat. All so, you know, one so, what, so I'm just reading between the lines here because I've actually read the rules. So I've, I've I've just found out that you probably should be disqualified for having an extra team member. <laughs> Oh, yes. 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 so you should probably keep that a bit quiet just in case you know the other teams are really furious still so. yeah but what a brilliant story hey um, yeah incredible thick, you know and um and quite quite an achievement to, to do that i think but for joe to to succeed in winning a race and and be pregnant at well, the same pregnant. time yeah amazing yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's well, been really, really interesting. Yeah, it's been yeah. wonderful. It's just you've you've encapsulated that sort of the where well, you've like brought lots of um, thoughts back to me about you know the, the reason why people run ultras and you know that whole mindset thing and how um, how you, how you battle against yourself. And so it's just it's been it's been really inspirational. So so yeah, thank you. Oh no, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. And you mentioned that you have your Twitter. Um, are there other ways in which the do-badders can just follow your your challenges and, and keep in touch with yes, you? Yes, I'm on Instagram. I'm not very good at social media. I should be far better. I'm <laughs> I keep thinking, who wants to know about my stories? But, um, but yeah, I'm on Instagram. I think it's just Lowry Morgan. I'm on Facebook, uh, Lowry. I've got a page, Lowry Morgan, and I've also got my own personal page, which is Lowry Morgan Jones. So, yeah, there's there's a few things there for you. But it's Twitter I tend to kind of um, use quite a bit. Yeah, okay. Uh, but, yeah, if they want to, uh, I'm on Instagram, always taking photos of running and places I've been running. It's it's basically a runner's Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> with the exception of a few things. But um, yeah, you, you know, welcome to get in touch with me. And, and also, you know, a lot of people get in touch with me because sometimes they just want some advice. And if they want to do that, just get in touch. Or sometimes people just want a little bit of mo- motivation. And I just, you know, do that. And I, and do you know what? I'm really happy to do that because I get it from other people. And I'm always really grateful for that. Um, and I think that's the whole thing about the running community. We're all there we go through the same emotions really and and we're all there for each other and and you know that that's that's what it's all about really yeah definitely amazing well thank you so much we'll we'll post those links to your social media sites into our facebook group and uh, yeah just just thanks again for coming and thanks for your kind words as well appreciate it my pleasure is there anything we can do to help at any time then shout shout out the do better community are really supportive so um need need a hand let us know Brilliant. Thanks ever so much. Thank you. Thanks, Bye. Bye. Hey. Hey, bloody hell, that was good. Yeah, really cool. Really interesting. I just don't... I I, I feel the same way, that I just don't know if I'd want to do the Jungle Ultra or anything that cold. It's the cold one that I wouldn't want to do. The Jungle Ultra is definitely on the the map. um, Yeah. And not the... Not the fake one, the the real one, like the 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 this yeah the, the Amazonian one, is it? But um, but the cold, I just I just don't think. I think the the worst cold I want to do is say North Pole Marathon. But, but that, the, the fact she was on that one road as well, oh, it's just you, that, oh, it's just you probably go blind from the just from the brightness of it. Oh, it sounds it just sounds awful. But I was I just love the fact the, that the she photos are going to be terrible. Learn. you're gonna have the worst selfies just like oh here we are so your instagram account of that it's gonna look shit yeah absolutely the reflections the um i love the fact that she did all that training with her blindfolded that's amazing maybe i should be doing that for nuts maybe i should just get like muscle memory to just like rope swings and whatever there is at nuts you have to be able to walk up to a table (laughs) blindfolded and pick up a strawberry milkshake and (laughs) pour it over you without no i have to but it's like i'll be like a a, a strawberry milkshake jedi i have to be able to close my eyes and fend away uh, milkshakes being thrown (laughs) at me with my hands because it just it just brought back because all the best movies have people being blindfolded and learning that way yeah i think that's good i wonder i wonder if they if if she didn't need to do that but they added the blindfolded bit because it makes the amazing montage. You know, because when you're doing it for TV, you have an amazing montage of, you know, you, you start off a bit rubbish, don't you, with blindfold, and then all of a sudden you go f- full karate kid and you're like stripping guns and doing it within seconds. And, you know, it's, it, it looks... It have pretty, you, have it looks you seen Game of, Game of Thrones, the last series? No, no, I don't watch Game of Thrones. Oh, why not? Because uh, it's rubbish. Because it's rubbish. Because you've never... You, okay, well, we're not going to get into this argument, but... <laughs> brilliant brilliant episode where um the young girl who's one of my favorites so i can't remember her name of she's that awesome she has this horrible trainer this female bully who she always makes a have have a blindfold and then she essentially just beats her up with a stick and so she's trying to kill her she's trying to track her down and kill her right she corners her in this room and she says something along the lines of oh you're mine now and then the girl there's 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 only lit in this room by a candle this isn't a spoiler is it it's not a spoiler all you then see is the 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 girl who you love he's a badass he's been doing all the stuff blindfolded 
she then just cuts the top of a candle and the room goes black. And you're like, oh my god, she's going to kill in the darkness because she's a Jedi in the darkness. It's amazing. There is something and you don't see anything else, but you just know she's mega badass in the dark. There is something so, awesome about, about doing stuff blindfolded, isn't there? I don't know. Oh, whoa. Hmm. <laughs> no, 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 not that I've done anything blindfolded, but like, but the idea that you can use like this, you know, your senses to be able to, I mean, that could, that would have been really helpful, um, like in, on the hundred miler. Do you think when she was doing it, they'd all hum this like, um, <laughs> why would they do that? Because it makes it seem more, oh, more spiritual. Jedi. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, and she'd be there. <laughs> Wait, wait, wait a minute, is the, is the sound that you're making supposed to be like the sound of the lightsaber? No, no, that was her pulling stuff so quickly that it was... <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was doing the sound effects for in oh, okay, cartoons, okay. you know, when they're like really quickly... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact is that I don't know if Laura will listen to this podcast or not. Or if she's listened to one before, but she'll probably listen to her interview bit, and then she'll be thinking at this stage, "Oh boy, I made a mistake." Here, didn't I? <laughs> I think they all do. I think everyone does. <laughs> I will have them go, "Oh yeah, we've got on the podcast," and then come into the group, and they go in the group for about three minutes and gone, "Oh, I don't belong in this group." <laughs> <laughs> I don't get any of the references. <laughs> they're, they're all swearing at me. <laughs> no, but that was. I mean, and the um, it was that was a great suggestion. Great suggestion from Dubalis. And so if, you, yeah. um, if you're in the podcast, and even if you're not in the Facebook group um, and you want to email us, let us at badboyrunning.com, go for it because, um, you know, more suggestions like that. We don't, we don't get the normal people on who you, you'd find on other um, uh, running podcasts and stuff trying to flog their stuff. But um, it could be a, a little bit left field as well. If you, if you want to get someone where it's just related to Dubadarish style actions or... Yeah, if, I mean, to be fair, I mean, like... Only about twelve percent of the entire volume of the podcast is about running. So if it's not about running, it's hardly going to be surprising. You see, I think we should get Pato on and just interview him because I don't know anything about Pato other than I have a true love for him. Um, I, <laughs> that's the best type of love. I don't know anything about him. Yeah, I love him. I love him unconditionally and everything <laughs> he stands for, of which I know none. But no, but listen, this could be awful because what happens if it turns out Pato doesn't like us? What happens if he regrets giving us the... Well, I mean, worst case scenario, if Pate does turn on us, we've still got Howard Marks. No, Mark Marks. We haven't got Howard Marks. He's dead. (laughs) No, no, Howard Marks. Richard Marks. We've still got Richard Marks. He's dead as well. No, he's not dead. Didn't Richard Marks save someone's life? No, didn't he tackle someone on an aeroplane or something? He did something incredible. He's like stopped a terrorist or something like that. Yeah. It was something badass. He is a he is a true do baddie, you see. But he, again, Basically. he keeps denying it every time we every every time we, we try and contact him. But that's the sign of a do badder in my mind. In, in, deep down in his heart, he'll probably apologise on his deathbed for ignoring <laughs> I'm sorry. those tweets. I love you. I've given you all this, and I wanted to say sorry to the do badders for for my neglect. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I've listened. I've listened. I've looked. I've looked up Richard Marks on Google and news, and the very first headline that comes up. Pop rocker Richard Marks doesn't care what you think of him. <laughs> is, is it, does it say dot, 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 David Hellard and J.D. Rainsford? <laughs> so you can fuck off. You can fuck off. <laughs> Why doesn't he care what we think of him? I don't know. So the article just says the headline. It doesn't actually explain anything else. Is that what you're saying? No, no, That's me, the whole no, headline. No, no, let, and me then explain, it's just, let me explain it. This is from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If people want to think 
that Richard Marx is a one or two hit wonder from the 80s, so be it. The pop rocker says he's tired of change, changing that perception. That is what we think of him. <laughs> <laughs> he's also a poker player. Um, but I th- so is there the other story there of him being a hero? I can't find that. Wait a minute. Let me just... He's been very critical. Has he been critical of Trump as well? While you've, while you've mentioned Trump, whoever it was that posted in the group, the Trump Donald website. <laughs> That's brilliant. Have you played on it? Yeah, I have. No, it's brilliant. Also... <laughs> it's really funny. Also... It's the, so simple. The work that um, Alan Robertson's doing in terms of creating a whole slew of do-badder games. <laughs> have, you seen, have you seen the throwing the milkshake at me? Whack-a-mole thing. Oh, I I saw the GIF. I couldn't. I was in the office. I couldn't get it to to do the flash. Um, so does it work as a game? It is. What you do, you have to. My head pops up at various points. You've got to throw the milkshake at milkshake at it before <laughs> it goes down. And it because it's called four. It's four laps of winter nuts. So, and it, but it gets progressively faster as which goes completely against what will happen at winter nuts. But yeah. do you end up? Do you finish the game, or do you end up failing? No, 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 no. It's just it's how many how many milkshakes you can throw at me. I think there's going to be some good high scores. But um, I asked him to create a Rob Young driving game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if Larry understood the Rob Young reference when we mentioned that. Um, it, yeah, well, oh, here we go. Here we are. Richard Marx, singer Richard Marx helps restrain man. On, on <laughs> this is badass. Singer Richard Marx helps restrain man on flight and criticizes crew. So he, he doesn't make friends with anyone. <laughs> he restrains a man and then he criticizes the crew. What did the crew what were the crew doing wrong? Korean air staff defense Korean air defense staff after pop singer says they were not properly trained and not able to, to subdue abusive passenger. And how did Richard Marx subdue him? It does it's not very very specific as to what he did, but they ended up tying this bloke up with a rope. Who's got a rope in a, <laughs> in a plane? Richard Marx. So Richard Marx was why, carrying a rope. Why with him are you carrying a, a rope? Fair play. I mean I I wouldn't have had a rope. I wouldn't have been able to deal with that situation. So I guess he was proven right. Wait, when he started pushing the female... St- this is about the abusive passenger. When he started pushing the female staff and pulling him by the hair, Marx was the first to help subdue him. This went on for four hours. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean went on for... He was pulling their hair for four hours. He was like, stop, all right. Stop, or- or- now that is in-flight entertainment. You had a four-hour scrap with Richard Marx before he restrained you with a rope. Wow, they must have been exhausted. He must have thought that was such a hazard. <laughs> I, I thought of that earlier and, and chose not to. You, you well, you missed you missed the boat. No, no, because he, because apparently when he he was talking to the guys, like you want to fight, he said, yeah, I'll be right here. <laughs> <laughs> there must be footage. Someone must have pulled out a phone within four, in four hours of the fight. And got some. Four hours fighting. I mean, that would be... I'd love to see Howard Marks, sorry, Richard Marks, going toe-to-toe with a drunk dude harassing Koreans. Oh, no, there is, oh, there is a video. There is? There's a video. I'm watching the video now. Let me, let me do a bit of commentary on this video. Okay. Okay. Oh, he's hammered. This bloke's hammered. Oh, he is a bit violent. The, the, oh, they really are restraining him with, um, with rope. Oh, he's got that sort of blank stare on him. You know when someone like really drunk, it's gonna like gonna smash your face in. He's got that. Yeah. And is Richard Marks there? Is well, he Richard tying Marks, him up? Unless Richard Marks is dressed up as a Korean air stewardess, no. Oh. I don't really understand maybe, where he how he's involved in this at all. Maybe he was he was calming the other passengers with his 
soothing tones. But anyway, anyway, we digress once again. Um, thank you, thank you, deep badders, for listening. Any suggestions of future guests, let us know. We are a crack team of stalkers. We'll get out there, track them down, and I'd, beg them to come on. I'm not as good as stalker. I, I think I have to find more guests. Anyway, we're going to be back next week, and next week we might be potentially interviewing Mr. James Appleton about photography and how to take amazing running shots or just amazing shots in general how to look good in shots that's what that's what we need to know how to look good in shots and if if you don't know james he's he's won tough guy five times there's an incredible tough guy story that um rosanna kewitt has been messaging me from the group that we'll bring up with james next week all about uh billy uh mr tough guy and about how apparently chaos erupted at tough guy this year oh, really? uh, but people don't know the real reason behind it um unless you're in the acr community so that we'll reveal that next Ooh. week maybe with james on there um, we'll also talk to james about he's been uh, he's been top five world ocr champion uh, or maybe top six and uh, he's also lizard lakes does lots of trail running so lots we can catch up there so any questions any feedback any um reviews put them on itunes reviews yes yes more reviews the better we had that we had that weird period where we got a load of one star reviews just shortly after the park run discussion uh issue i wonder i wonder if that was related yeah and uh yeah any other suggestions on topics let us know and we'll see you next week see you later bye 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 bye